I get up super early, so I usually shut her down pretty early. Usually once my girls go down, which, well, my mom, my, my wife took my one daughter out, and they're still at home, and then my other one is is here, so, and up, so. I saw that. Uh, oh, good, yeah. I heard, actually, okay. I heard. I didn't see, but I heard. Yeah, but She's floating around. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Coffee Time with Byron. I am your host, Byron. This is episode number 56. We are broadcasting live on YouTube and available next day on all available podcasts, Apple, Google, Spotify, you name it, etc. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and where I was able to hook up with this guy, former NHL enforcer with the Phillies, Riley Cote, and host of his own podcast, Nasty Knuckles, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining tonight. I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. So let's let's get started. I, I want to get started actually promoting your podcast. Tell us about it. Where can it be seen? Who do you who do you interview? And how long does an episode normally last? Yeah, sure. So Nasty Knuckles is the name of the podcast. It's with one of my good buddies, Derek Sotomayor. He's uh, formerly the, the equipment manager of the Philadelphia Flyers. And, you know, with my uh, background of playing for the Philadelphia Flyers, we decided to create a, say, ho- hockey, obviously a hockey podcast, but more of a Philadelphia Flyers-centric podcast. Um, and we're 50 episodes deep, and I think all but maybe two um, of the uh, guests were former Flyers or current Philadelphia Flyers. Mm-hmm. So, um, but not that we're opposed to broadening out. I think eventually we will. We just wanted to start start in this area and uh, connect with the Flyers alumni and the guys that we know on the team. And um, yeah, usually, you know, between an hour, an hour and a hook, uh, an episode, you know, sometimes they drag a little bit longer. Um, but uh, yeah, man, just trying to humanize hockey players and, and, and athletes and just trying to um, see it, you know, show the world a different side of them because I think most people see them in like traditional interviews and it's just like, you know, asking about the game and this and that. And these guys are human. So just uh, talking about past experience as well as sharing stories, both from guys that we played with and or, or you know, nasty would have, you know, had, had around him um, while he was equipment manager and then just kind of uh, just having some fun with it. So it's been fun. Yeah, it's been good. 50 episodes deep now. Now, did you know that? After you retire, this is what you wanted to do, or did you want to get into something involved in the game itself after you retired? I definitely didn't have this on the map when I retired. It was 2010 when I retired from playing, so I don't think podcasting was necessarily like a, necessarily a huge thing at the time. It probably was. I just wasn't aware of it, um, but it's certainly not like it is right now yeah, where today. everyone and their brother podcasts. Right. So. Um, I got into hockey when I first retired by coaching. So that was my connection to the game. Um, But I guess three or four years ago, I got out of coaching corporate sports. And I realized that if I didn't have a podcast of some sort, it's almost like it would almost be foolish, at least not to try. You know, with all my connections and contacts within the sport, I mean, it seemed to be uh, a somewhat simple thing to do. I know it's a lot of work. But really chasing after people to get them locked down for being a guest. And early on, I was producing this stuff myself, you know, my roadcaster, and just my, 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 my basic abilities with uh, Final Cut and all that stuff. So um, 
I realized we could at least put it off there, make you know, coming off the ground and get some sponsors to start, you know, lightly and and eventually pass it over in production to somebody else. But um, yeah, so I didn't, I never had this vision of it. But as I realized how powerful digital media is and social media and you know and and trying to push things through and then above and beyond that it wasn't just to like reconnect back to hockey and stay in the game it was somewhat of a marketing play for some of my other businesses and getting in front of some guys and talking about certain things right i mean if you, if you listen to our podcast we let them talk about um, alternative medicine and 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 stuff like that cannabis hemp cannabinoids um as alternatives to opioids you know performance stuff so um, that's totally in line with some of the business stuff that I have going on, which is, you know, it's great to talk to professional athletes about that stuff, which is, you know, right. pretty interesting. Yeah. So a little bit of, a little bit of everything, but it's, a it's a working itself out, I guess. I feel your pain because as we talked about before we got on air, uh, yeah, I'm having the same issue that you did at the beginning of just doing it all myself. It's hard. Like trying to share it out there and you don't know anybody i mean it's tough like you said but once you get the sponsors which is even tougher to get uh are you basically getting paid by the sponsors to sponsor your podcast because i think you are with DraftKings, correct yeah we were with DraftKings, and then we uh we're with a different bookie now it's called my bookie mybookie.com mm-hmm. um but um yeah, a few other ones, hockey stick stuff, and you know, it's it's a lot, a lot of the stuff is outside of the actual podcast itself that we do, like the hockey stick. We do a lot of community hockey games um, and played in different alumni games. For example, we played in a Flyers alumni game last week where I used a stick, Toby, Toby Hockey. Um, they're one of our sponsors, but like so. The sponsorship goes outside of just the, the, the actual audio or visual podcast. It's like, you know, it's content through the channels and stuff like that and, and getting, you know, the sticks into guy, other guys' hands. And so there's a kind of like this, there's a the, the bigger vision of just like the podcast is like more of a, I say more of a brand. Like, we're, we're, you know, we put on events and we had a ball hockey tournament. So it's like the Nasty Knuckles podcast is more a brand so that's what we're trying to build really here uh we started like a secondary type of show where it's like shorter version more like i guess analysis of the games versus Mm -hmm. just like you and i just talking you know what i mean you know talking about our hockey careers and whatever else blah 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 and stories all that stuff Right. Um, you know, remember, it's just like, you know, little Gary V and just like putting content out there and be more of a, a brand than, than just a podcast per se, right? Because there's, there's stuff you can do outside of just the digital, um, like, again, the, the community events, all that good stuff. That's what we're trying to do. So um, it takes time. It's so much, you know, so much effort. This is like a, a side hustle for me. You know what I mean? Like, this is like, I got, I got like 10 other things going on. So I'm trying to squeeze this in, but I think this is important to squeeze in because. Well, a, I stay, I stay in the game somehow, you know. Yeah, and I stay in the right. game with professional, legitimate humans, right? Um, you know, playing and retired to have you know Hall of Famers and Stanley Cup winners and you know highly successful people. Um, so it's important, to, you know, to surround myself with those people um, and and just uh, um, and talk about the things that I'm actually doing outside the podcast. Which again, it's like serving its purpose is like I don't want to call it free marketing because it's my time and it's not free. But it's, it serves itself as marketing as uh, along with being something that I enjoy doing and, you know, having some fun with. So. 
So, like you said, you spent a total of 10 years playing professional hockey, 8 in the NHL, and you got the, like I said at the beginning, introducing you, you got the entitled, the enforcer. For those watching, I know what an enforcer is, but for those watching right now on YouTube and will be hearing it on podcast, what is exactly your role as an enforcer and what what gives you that name? Well, the role of the enforcer doesn't really exist anymore in hockey. There still is fighting, but the designated quote-unquote enforcer, there may be two or three guys around the league that you could actually call them that um, just because they're kind of grandfathered in as they weaned out the rest of them. And it's gotten more highly skilled, which I'm not opposed to, but I really feel like the, the role itself is – it's about accountability and self-policing. It's a powerful energy that kind of controls um, and, and supports guys and teams getting out of line. So that's why the tough guy is there. The enforcer role is essentially um, a, a hired player that protects his teammates and fights and puts his body on the line for, for the better good of the team and um, several different reasons. One is protect. Protecting star players, cheap shots um, that happen within the game that need to be addressed. Um, secondary, just energy creation. If a team's down a goal or two, um, you need a spark of some sort. You can go get a big hit. A fight usually charges up the crowd, so there's some strategy there. And um, and yeah, and, and I guess at the end of the day, it's keeping the peace. You know, people act a certain way um, when there's no accountability, they act a different way when there's accountability. It's just psychology 101, and, I, and I've lived it. Mm-hmm. Even say for myself, but other tough guys weren't in the lineup. I acted a little bit differently, played a little bit, um, you know, more aggressively because I knew that I didn't have to fight the toughest guy. I had to fight maybe the second or third toughest guy. So it gave me a little bit extra boost, I guess you could say. But um, yeah, and the, the enforcer role, uh, you know, he went from the evolution of hockey from like back in the Flyers early days of the Broad Street Bullies. They had several years known as the Broad Street Bullies where they just like outcompeted, not just you know, hockey wise, but like toughness wise. It was tougher. You know what I mean? They're just like, I guess, bullied other teams around. Eventually, every other team started to find tough players. So then hockey was a pretty legitimately tough sport always, right? There was not just hits. Not just fighting for a puck with no helmets back in the day and then eventually helmets. But then there's this element of fighting, which is, is a different dimension of thinking because now it's like, you know, you got grown men battling for pucks, um, you know, strong guys that have, some guys cross the line, elbows get up, shoulders get up. And, and if you just let that stuff happen, and especially your, your go-to guys, you know, your star players, um, you're, you're losing them for periods of time and you're sacrificing your season a lot of times if these guys are on the bench or on the sidelines because um, they can't play. So, um, yeah, the, 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 the role has evolved out of the game from the Broad Street Bullies to the current game, which is uh, obviously a lot more skill, which is, which, which is fine, but the speed of the game, guys are bigger, faster, stronger than they've ever been. So, naturally... Um, there could be, you know, accidental cheap shots, but nonetheless, if there's no one there to self-police and keep guys, like, on that edge, guys sometimes cross the line. And there's actually more concussions now than there was when there was fighting. And that was the reason why they're taking out fighting was for concussion reasons or limiting concussions. Mm. Um, but 
the, the, the numbers work against that theory because there's less cheap shots when there's accountability. The guys that are tough and, you know, the Warriors kind of go at it and take the punches. But the other guys, you know, they don't get hit in the head as much, not, not, not as many cheap shots. Um, so I don't, I don't love the way the game's gone, but, you know, who, who am I? But, um, yeah, the role of the enforcers is in virtually extinct. Do you think uh, fighting in fighting in the game actually helps the game? Like, if I know it hardly happens nowadays like it did in your time. But when it does happen, do you think it helps the game or hurts the game the way they want to do it? Well... I thought it. I thought it helped the game. I don't think it needs to happen all the time. I think. I think the whole beautiful part of it is the, the, the timing element. I'm not suggesting the puck drops every game and there's fights right off the bat. I'm not suggesting that. Mm-hmm. But having a guy on the team that's recognized as the enforcer certainly gives their own team confidence or a little bit more confidence knowing they have this guy in the lineup. But it also plays an effect on the opposition, like knowing there's another guy in the lineup that if you do something silly or you poke the goalie or, you you know what I mean, you accidentally run over somebody, that you're going to have to pay a price. Mm-hmm. And the price, you have to fight the tough guy. It's like, you know, it's like it's called answering the bell, right? I mean... If you want to play hard, go play hard. If you want to cross that line, well, then expect to answer the bell. Well, now there's no answering of the bell. So guys cross the line, and what do they do? They just they ride the line and, and, and expect the referee to police the game perfectly, which never happens. The referee misses a lot of stuff. And then you go into special teams. So there's this, there's this battle of special teams versus, like, actually, believe it or not, it's like the art of war. Like, you know, two tough guys come to battle there's an actual legitimate mutual respect that's bred between the tough guys and then and then the rest of their their their, their group of uh, of players where there's like okay okay they fought let's just like play the game now you know there's some peace that was bred here temporarily as soon as you have like cheap shots and and and, and you know stuff that goes unrecognized by maybe the refs sometimes and then like then the players got to deal with it there's frustration built up if you're not able to self-police, then it, it, games get out of hand. You've seen it several times. There was a game last year between uh, the Washington Capitals and um, and the New York Rangers, and and Washington Capitals have this guy um, that is we say one of the tougher guys, Tom Wilson, that are on the league. You know, he wouldn't have been a heavyweight when I played, but he's probably close to heavyweight in this and in, in tough. Yeah. Well, he lands up. He lands up grabbing the the leading goal scorer of the New York Rangers, uh, um, Panarin, and like grabbed them, choked them. And, and part of it was that Panarin went after him because he kind of was around the goalie. But nonetheless, he's protecting himself. Grabs this skill guy and, and, and pins him on the and slams him, big choke slams him on the ground. Well, Panarin gets hurt, and it was like right at the end of the season, and, and their playoffs are on the line. So now they missed their missed their, their leading goal scorer. Tom Wilson, who was the toughest guy in the Washington Capitals and probably on the East Coast here, um, it, what else is he going to do? But he had no one to answer answer to, so he gets away with like choke slamming star player for the Rangers, yeah. and nothing happened. So what does the Rangers do in the off season? They go and sign the t- toughest guy in the league, Ryan Reeves, who was in Vegas last year. Now the Rangers got Ryan Reeves. Mm. Um, 
they're going to basically say like that's never going to happen again. Our star player is never going to you know ever have that happen. But this thinking is like it's not new age thinking. Like that's like an old school move by the Rangers. But like um, like back in the day, everyone thought that way. It's like Ed Snyder back in the day, the owner of the Flyers. Like they got pushed around. I think in St. Louis or something way back in the seventies. Mm. He comes back to Philly. We're never going to get pushed around again. So he goes and gets the Bills the toughest team. I understand it's never going to be like that, but like you know, like that was an example of a, of, a, of a goal scorer getting abused by someone tough, and then there's no accountability. Where like it landed up ruining the Rangers' season. He was out; they didn't make playoffs, and it was like a significant thing. So I know the anti, you know, and I've evolved my thinking from being an idiot. Like I was, I was fighting 30, 35 times a year. I know that's not realistic. Yeah, and, and I've. By thinking into it, what I would think is a reasonable thinking, if you understand hockey and the amount of energy and testosterone in in in, in hockey, that that fighting at some degree should still always remain in the game because it does somewhat keep the peace. It does. It, there's a respect that's somehow bred out of it. I know it sounds crazy, but um, it's just it's just the two men. Battling it out and then you know, basically bowing out to each other. They'll tap each other on the butt. Say, good job. I respect you for fighting me and vice versa. And answering the bell, whatever it lands up being. So, um, But, yeah, it's uh, I have a hard time watching the game now. Not because of the amount of fights. Yeah, and that's part, and it could be part of it. But it's just like the amount of like, like just like true raw, like, like trying to be tougher than their team. You don't really see that anymore. It's just so, so skilled now. Now you went undrafted. What? How did how did that go? Did you think you were going to be drafted? Did you not get scouted? How much difficulty did you have getting into the league, being undrafted? And who originally scouted you and signed you? Well, it's kind of it's kind of interesting. Uh, I was never drafted. I did expect to get drafted. I had an agent that. Um, that misplayed me uh, in my draft year. So I was like ranked in this, this, this central scouting thing. Like I think like late sixth round, early seventh round, something like that. So later, later in the draft, but Mm -hmm. nonetheless, nonetheless drafted and foot in the door in an organization. So it turns out I never get drafted and I, and I, and I I call him up and ask him like, what the hell happened? Like how how did did I get ranked like that? And then just not get drafted. He's like, well, it sometimes happened, but he's like, he's like, I also sent out a memo to all NHL teams saying, if you're not going to draft them before the sixth round, then not to draft them at all. Cause he's like, I think it'd be more beneficial if you were a free agent. I'm like, well, it's not something that you probably want to tell your client before you go and do that. But nonetheless, that's what he, that's what he ended up doing. I ended up, I ended up firing him after that because I was so, so pissed off about what had happened. But um, that being said, you know, there was now 30 teams that could potentially be interested in me, but, but, as, but as long as I performed and, and got noticed. So right. I was still in junior hockey when I didn't get drafted, so I still hadn't got to the point where I took on the role of the enforcer. So I was still actually, you know, playing to be like a regular, you know, whatever you want to call them, goal score grinder or something like someone in that world. Um, but then when I uh, turned 20, I was went to Maple, Toronto Maple Leafs training camp and um, I, had an, I had the option to go back to junior for another year or turn pro in one way, shape or form, whether it was, you know, the lowest league, which I, I landed up in the Central Hockey League, East Coast, American League or NHL. But um I knew that NHL wasn't realistic, 
being 20 and undrafted. But nonetheless, that was when I decided to take on the role of the enforcer. So I went to Toronto Maple Leafs camp to fight everybody and their brother. Like, you know, the biggest guy, the guy with most penalty minutes. Like I pretty much did my whole pro career. Yep. Um, so that's what I did. I went and ran, and ran a guy first shift, got in a fight my first shift in Toronto Maple Leafs camp. And that was like <clears throat> the, start, the starting of me taking on this role of the enforcer. So I think for me, it was like finding an identity. And, and you know, I, I wasn't drafted. I was looking at the guys getting called up, lots of goals, and lots of penalty minutes. So I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to get a lot of goals because any team I go on, I'm going to start. I'm going to have to start right at the bottom. Like I'm going to be like that 13th forward. I'm not going to get a whole lot of ice time. So like, the easiest way to get noticed is to, to go out and be physical, right? Go hit guys, go mm. poke the goalie, be an idiot, fight. So that's what I decided to do. And um, so my path wasn't easy. I, I had to reconfigure the path. You know, I had to put like the realism of uh, or the lack of realism of me. Um, making the NHL as a, as a goal scorer aside and, and be honest with like my skill level versus some of the best players in the world. So decided to try and be uh, be a goon instead. So in 04, 05 with the AHL Philadelphia Phantoms, you win the Calder Cup as a team. Take us yep. through that year. What do you remember about that year? And did you know you guys... At the beginning of the year, we're going to win that uh, win that title because if I can recall, you guys had some you guys had some good players on that team. Yeah, we did have some really good players on that team. So interesting story on that. I started off the year in the Central Hockey League. I was there for four days, and I got a I got a phone call from Ron Hextall, who was the assistant general manager of the fan or the Flyers at the time, the uh, Phantoms at the time, and. Um, and uh, I signed a 25-game tryout, and this was like the second game in the AHL that year, and there was a lockout year, 0405, mm. right there. Yep. That wasn't yep. going on. Yep. So signed a 25-game PTO. Um, long story short is lineup up signing four PTOs, and we, and we win the Calder Cup. But I didn't realize like the amount of talent we had on the team until probably the second 25-game professional tryout realizing how good of a team we actually had. And um, that's when, you know, I knew that the team was special. Um, you know, probably, again, 25, 30 games in, that the team was special. That, you know, obviously every team had a lot of NHL guys because the NHL wasn't going on. Right. But um, but just the chemistry of the team, it was an energy that I can't really describe that was like you almost know you're going to win. Um, but it was arguably one of the best uh, seasons of my whole entire hockey career. Now I saw the uh, picture of you hold, I, I saw the picture of you holding that cup. How 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 heavy is that cup compared do you think to the Stanley Cup? I know unfortunately you never got to hold it, but how, I still had some weight to it. Probably, probably a little bit lighter, but but it had some weight to it. Got some weight to it. Did yeah. you did you do yeah. you do like what do you do like what the hockey players do the NHLers do with the stand? Did you did you sleep with the cup like what like what they do? I never, I never, I never slept with it. <laughs> I drank out of it, smoked some weed out of it, but uh, I never I never slept with it. If I won the Stanley Cup, I probably would have. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, okay. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So after participating after that year. When you won that uh, won that cup, you participate in the Philadelphia Flyers training camp in the 05 and 06. 
then you were signed to a two-way contract by them. What exactly is a two-way contract? For those who don't know at home, what it, what exactly is that? A two-way contract basically means that you have one salary with the main club, which is the Flyers, and then you have another salary uh, with with the uh, American League team or the minor league team. Mm-hmm. So, so they send you down. The pay structure changes. Um, if you're on a one-way contract, you can get sent down to the minor leagues, but you're still getting paid NHL money, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Right? So... It's a way, a team's way of, you know, of, of saving, I guess, saving money and staying under a salary cap. And if the money, if the guy gets sent down to the minors and he's only making 80,000 versus 500,000, well, that, that money, well, that money's not on the cap anyways, but the one way contract would stay on the salary cap. So, um, yeah, so basically two way means you have two different salaries for major leagues versus minor leagues. One way contract means that. The, the 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 salary remains the same. Even if they send you to the bottom league ever, you still get paid the NHL amount of money. Um, they're still in a contract until until ever that expires, and then they're not you're not on the hook for the salary anymore. But usually, if you're on a one way contract, your your salary remains on the salary cap versus a two way contract. Your salary does not go up against the salary. And cap. like you said, that is weird, but it doesn't make sense. Uh, that's totally weird, especially if you get called down. That is weird. <laughs> How they do that? Yeah. The goal is that you want a one way contract. So it's like a guaranteed money, right? Yeah. So if you shit the bed, you get hurt or whatever, and they send you down. You still get paid NHL money. Yeah. So the goal is always one way contracts. Two way, yeah, you're not gonna you're not gonna complain. There's a lot of guys on two ways, but the, the pay structure changes significantly on a two way. So it's not you know, it's not guaranteed, you know, major league money basically. So So you make your debut March twenty fourth, two thousand seven with the Flyers. Two part question. Do you do you remember who you debuted against? It was a rival team, you debuted against and were you you were, were you uh, nervous at all, anxious at all to make your debut? I I, I think it was Carolina Hurricanes. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> that was maybe the second game. Uh, maybe the New Jersey Devils. I can't remember. But yeah, I mean, uh, I was extremely excited and and nervous all at the same time. You know, I think it was more more excitement than nerves. It was just like the nerves were just like, let's go. You know what I mean? And get get after it. But I do remember getting the call up because I was at the skate zone and the call up was not on a phone. It was like John Stevens, the head coach of the Phantoms at the time, basically saying, um, "No, actually, no, it wasn't Johnny. You know, uh, it was uh, it was Sammy. Um, they could go go and, and talk to Homer." And Paul Homer was the general manager at the time, and and I, and I knew and I knew what the call was for because the day before the other tough guy for the Flyers, Todd Fedora, got knocked out in a fight by Colt Nor. Mm-hmm. So I knew that this call, the, me going up there, was that I was getting called out. So, so the energy was already like rolling through me. Um, and then sure enough, he's like, he's like Riles, he's like get called up, do your thing, and you know have some fun. That was like the end of the conversation. So um, I, I honestly forget the first game. I, I, uh, and, but I know my mentality was like, let's go, let's go find some fights and kick some ass. Yeah, <laughs> I tried. Were, I think I got like fight in the first eight games. The but, team, the um, team you guys faced was your bitter rivals, the New York Rangers. Oh, it was the Rangers, wasn't it? Yep, New York Rangers. 
your bitter rivals. I'm sure. What can you say about most? Okay, you were in. You were in a. You were in a division where all all the teams hated each other in your division. Mm. Well. <laughs> I'm sure you enjoyed that, especially your role as an enforcer. You enjoyed fighting those guys, didn't you? Well, it made the games more interesting. You know, I knew every time that we played those teams, it was always going to be a battle, right? And they always had guys back then. They had some serious tough guys, all the teams. You know what I mean? Like, there was no easy, easy nights in those games. You know, Pittsburgh Penguins had George the Rock or Eric Goddard, and the Devils had... Uh, Cam Jansen or Aaron Asher or Mike Rupp, and then it was the Rangers, Colt Lord, Donald Brashear, and, and Jason Shredwick. It was just didn't, didn't matter who I was going to play. I was fighting some big ass dudes. Um, but the rivalries themselves, outside of the fighting and the, the tough guys, were significant. Mainly the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. I feel like that one and the Devils. You know, all the, all of them were, were, but the Pittsburgh Penguins, I think, was in a different category of. Uh, of you know rival but uh, yeah always a battle no there's no nights off there so the fall the following year in uh, 07 you get suspended for three games for your headshot to dallas stars matt niskanen in the third period do you feel that to this day that you deserve that suspension after that (laughs) <laughs> probably yeah. I charged from I charged at him from the blue line and elbowed him. I probably should have got more. I, I think if it happened like in in this day and age, not that it was that long over. I hate when it does this. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. I hate when it does this. This has happened a couple times now. I need a new computer. Sorry. But you were saying. Right. You were saying. Do you remember what you were saying? <laughs> Continue where you were at. Uh, yeah, I actually finished my thought uh, right at the end there. It was yeah, just the... Uh, there, was no, there was no easy night. So, you know, if, uh, every, every night was a battle between the tough guys and between the team themselves. So, so then you became... The fifth Flyers player to receive a suspension during that season, alongside your teammates Downey, uh, I don't, how do I say it? Bo, uh, Jesse Bo, Boucher? is that how you say it? Uh, Jesse Bullery. Okay. Jesse Bullery. Randy yeah. Jones and Scott Hartnell, who are all good players in their own right. Uh, really, you guys had you you you. On your team, all you guys had that many suspensions in that season? Yeah, throughout the, throughout the season, yeah. started off, Steve Downey got a 25-game suspension in, in uh, preseason. Jeez. And three games, Jesse Bowler's got a 20-game suspension for cross-checking someone in the face. And then I think was I the th- – I can't remember if I was the third or fourth. Um, and then, yeah, I can't remember what Hartnell did and Randy Jones did. But, yeah, yeah, it was all throughout the season. But, yeah, there was <laughs> – there's a lot of suspensions that year. <laughs> That's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, oh yeah, what I was saying before is that is the it, three games was what I got, but in, in this era, I probably got a minimum of five games for that hit. Probably, yeah, so, you would have. I definitely deserved it because I ran the guy from the blue line, but um, yeah, right now they would have targeted me big time because it was a deliberate headshot. 
So let's see if you remember this. February 17, 2008, you scored your only NHL goal on who? He's still playing to this day and with the same team. I should remember this. <laughs> I should remember this. Mm-hmm. And golf for. Close. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, uh, Carey Price. I remember this. <laughs> I know. I know. I know you were joking. I knew you knew. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was, uh, it was unfortunate that the game was kind of out of hand. I think it was 5-1. I still ended up scoring the, the second goal of the game. Not, nothing really to, to celebrate about, but I scored against one of the best goalies in the world, so I'll take it. <laughs> that seems hard uh, to believe in all your – all your time in the NHL, uh, you only have one goal. That seems hard to believe. Yeah, I was too busy trying to fight guys. <laughs> too many yeah, racking up the penalty minutes, huh? Oh, yeah. And getting those, yeah, those suspensions. Little, I was a little bit distracted with the fighting and hitting. And I had a hard time finding the balance of actually playing hockey and, and, and playing the enforcer because I didn't, I didn't grow up being the enforcer, you know, so it was like – the way I'm wired is like I just gotta like go all in on whatever I'm doing. You know, now, if you really have so. wanted to, could you have scored m- more goals if you really wanted to? I, you know, I look I look back on my career again. If I was like, if I would have been smarter with my my training and th- smarter with my mindset, um, I definitely could have. I was just again consumed by the role where I just like would drink so much coffee and eat so much Sudafed and whatever else I can get my hands on before games just to go like basically to go to war. You know what I mean? I was, I was prepared to fight every night and I would fight every other night, you know, like it was like, so it's hard to like go and relax and play a, a creative sport when you're in this mindset, you know? So I grew up, you know, if you look at my numbers growing up, like I was, I was drafted in the Western hockey league in the second round. I had 28 goals, my uh, my best year, uh, my third year in juniors, uh, you know, like over, over fifty points. Um, but I wasn't a fighter, you know. What I mean, I wasn't spending my energy and focus and mindset on like going after the tough guy. It's like I know there's tough guys that I've scored a few more goals than one, but like I, for me, I just like I could not I could not play hockey and do that at the same time. You know what I mean? Like it's like yeah. I, it's like it's like I have to pick one or the other. So I knew I was only getting like five to seven minutes of ice time. And I was like, okay, well, I just felt in my mind that I needed to always prove myself. So I always felt like I needed to fight because I just always felt like someone was trying to take my job or they, and they always, there was always someone taking a job, but right. I just, I just never had that comfort and luxury of being like, Oh, I got, I got a cushion here. I can just like relax for a bit. Like I just never felt that way. So, um, again, like I was just like, I trained to fight. I watch videos and fight. I, teach jiu-jitsu and you know greco stand-up wrestling and, and and the whole bit you know what i mean i was like i was all in on the fight you know so um but if there was one thing i could have changed it could change and go back in time i'm just not sure if it would have made me like you know the riley cote that like the way that i had created that identity for and probably in a, in a better way you know what i mean i would have been more versatile and i just wouldn't have been more i wouldn't have been so much a goon than you know that i kind of created but you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. I learned a lot about myself, and I learned a lot about how how to take care of myself in the process. And mm. 
Like I could, give, I could give two shits about it. You know what I mean? I live my childhood dream. I fucking got one NHL goal. Right. You got you know seventy five NHL fights, two over two hundred pro, pro hockey fights. Like um, I lived hard. I learned a lot. Good experience. Um, and um, I wouldn't be where I am today if I would have taken it soft. Right. And, you know, taking that easier path. I would have, you know, but who knows? That would have been the wiser. That would have been the wiser path. You know, and the, you know, if I was to coach somebody or teach my children in the, in the situation I was in, I would have definitely uh, guided them a different way, um, a, a smarter way, you know, you know, more sustainable way. Um, but I didn't have the resources to figure that out, and uh, I did after the fact, and it was. Everything, you know, everything was worked out the way it's supposed to. It's funny how the universe works a lot of times, you know, kind of teaches you some lessons and then you got to yeah. go and take those lessons and, and, and march along and, and do the good work somewhere else. So that's where I'm at. So you only ended up playing 15 games in your 09-010 season with the Flyers. You retired on August 9th of 2010 that year. Uh did you know your career was over or did you still kind of felt like you wanted to play? Um, you know what, going into that season, I would never thought I was going to be retiring at the end of the season. Uh, but it was a mixture of, uh, you know, physical issues with the body, you know, fighting all the time, grinding the body that hard, training that hard to sustain that another season. Uh, I had another one-way contract on with the Flyers and I ended up turning that in, but Going into that last season, um, yeah, some physical injuries, some concussion-related issues, issues, you know, the brain stuff, like actual legitimate brain stuff, and then probably some mental health stuff. I was going through divorce, there's some personal issues. Mm. Uh, wasn't, there's some spiritual issues as far as not being overly fulfilled with what I was doing, you know what I mean? It's a, it's a grind, you know, fighting like that. As you can imagine, uh, preparing your mind every day to fight like where you know this is hard on you and you know, hard on you emotionally and spiritually so all these things combined made it i guess somewhat of an easy decision for me to retire i got into some coaching um with the minor league team with the phantoms actually with the flyers minor league team so i was able to stay in the game but i i ended up turning my last year a one-way contract i mean that's nhl money into a coaching deal and got out of playing at 28, 2010, because I was just, I think I was, the easiest way to describe it is mentally exhausted. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I just wanted, I don't blame I just wanted something else in my life. I don't blame you. The pressure, pressure, the pressure of fighting, the pressure of the anxiety of fighting, you know, it's like chronic state of anxiety. It's hard to explain, but it's one, I wanted the hell out of that. So that's, that was kind I don't of blame it. You. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a lot, especially on your toll. Especially I'm glad. I'm glad. You know, it's like you look at some of the athletes now. Some of these people are pulling the plug because of mental health issues. Like, it's like if it doesn't feel right and it's not serving your happiness and, and fulfillment in life, like you're, you're on the wrong path. And that's where I was at. You know what I mean? It's like couldn't I couldn't fight any harder. I couldn't grind any harder. I, you know, I couldn't party any harder. I needed to like stop. You know, I needed to slow down and and start worrying about self preservation. So that's what I decided to do. Now, out of today's players, and let's talk a little today of today's hockey. And in your and if your career, if you were still playing to this day, say if you were playing to this day, I know you'd still be in the enforcer role. They would try to get you out of that role, of course, obviously. But 
who would you want to fight today? And who would, who would you want to fight? I mean, based on, like, just wanting to fight the toughest guy just to say to fight the toughest guy or yeah. actually fight a guy that I actually want to beat the pants off because of the way he's acting. Yes, both. Two-way two street, yeah, both. Well, yeah, I, mean, I would do what I did when I played. I would just you know, find the toughest guy in their team. That would be easy one. Ryan Reeves plays for this guy I was talking about earlier so, mm. with the New York Rangers. Um, who else? Um, I've tried. I've tried to fight Chara. I've never actually fight, fought Chara, but he, you know, he doesn't fight a whole lot. But he's you know, six foot seven, two hundred and sixty pounds. Go after Chara, probably. Um, who else is there? Um, there's a uh, McDermott in Colorado, big tough guy, younger guy. Uh, go after him. And then guys that I would actually want to beat the pants off. There's one in Boston that I would never get my hands on because there should be an enforcer to protect him. I think I know Brad who you're Marshall. talking about. The rat, Brad Marchand. Yeah, the yeah, rat. man. You know, he was doing some shit again the other day with Panarin. Yeah, Panarin threw a glove at him. I saw that. Um, but just that uh, he's licking. You know, that's stuff I'm talking about. He licks people yep, and yep. like gets away with some like funky stuff that would never go down. Yeah, like, disrespect. Like, if is. someone licks you, you should, you should be allowed to punch someone in the I face agree. and lick you. That is it. Disrespectful. Like, like, what are we doing here? Like that. Yeah. that, that and, and the NHL didn't even like penalize him for it. So. That's the stuff I'm talking about, but he would be the top of the list for sure. Who else? Uh, there's probably a couple of little ratty players, but he 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 comes to mind right out of the gate. What about like, the two faces of the league, uh, Ovechkin and Crosby? They're in your division. What about McDavid? Huh? What about Connor McDavid? That's another one. Yeah, I can see he's, that. He's almost up there with those two. I, I think he might be overshadowing Crosby right now, honestly. As a current day, like, supreme player. Find one better than McDavid. More exciting than McDavid. This guy scores every single night. Oh, yes, he does. Two points a game every single day. Yeah. I mean, um, and, and, and incredible speed. So, like, to me, it's like, if you want to say Crosby and Ovechkin, I think McDavid's right in there. If not... It probably brought more excitement than maybe those other two, even though Ubech can still score goals. The excitement level of of uh, Connor McDavid is insane. You know what I mean? I, I just tune in into the highlights just to see him and see what he kind of crazy shit he's pulling off because he's that good. Now, is there uh, is there a player in your when out of all the fights that you had in your in your career, was there one? Was there one that you remember the most that that you just didn't like the you didn't like the player at all? Um, not really. Um, there was peace with all of them. There's a couple times in preseason with David Clarkson before I knew him. I tried to get after him and land up fighting a couple other guys even sean avery when i went after him a couple times fight like cold nor i don't think i ever really got got patrick coletta i grabbed him i don't remember him for the buffalo sabers he turtled on me never really got the guys that i really wanted to fight and like you know actually like punch in the face i was uh, fighting the guy way tougher than him i was protecting him and so and there was a mutual respect like i talked about earlier with those guys so um, but yeah, I think I don't remember really fighting mad or angry. It was more like just like do my job and you know do this in, in, in the least emotional way I could possibly do it. Now let's talk about your flyers. What do they need to do to regain 
their championship pedigree that they had and playoff pedigree that they had with almost going into playoffs almost every single year, what do they need to do? And start scoring some goals. Gotta get the power play fired up. You gotta play with some more passion. I was at the game yesterday against Carolina. They lost six three. Had two goals in the first, but they only had six shots. And there was a twelve minute period where they didn't get any shots. Like there's a couple individual efforts that were nice, but there's no team chemistry right now. In my opinion, if and Carter Hart wasn't great yesterday, but if Carter Hart hadn't been great the previous twenty games, wherever the hell they're at. They'd be like right at the bottom of the league, um, and they're not—they're not too far off right now. So, um, do uh, I don't even know where to start scoring. Obviously, they got some offensive guys, and not not scoring goals. I think their defense is somewhat upgraded than it was last year, and they got a couple injuries. No excuses, but um, you know, there's some some clumsy mistakes by a couple of the defensemen. So that's got to tighten up. And, and, and again, going back to goaltending, both the goalies. Uh, Carter Hart and uh, and Martin Jones have been playing pretty damn good. I mean, you could you could you could say maybe a couple of games that they were off, but like they're they're the most consistent players right now. So offense got to get going. Everyone's got to get better. Um, but they're in some trouble. If it keeps going this way. Now, what do you think happens? What do you think is the deal with that? Do you think it's coaching players? What is it? What's the miscommunication there? Why? That happens because uh, you guys unfortunately uh, could not win the cup. You guys made the playoffs a couple years there as well in your career. But like, what do you think? What do you think is wrong with the Flyers? Is it because of the coaching this year? What is it? The players are giving up. What? What? Is, what? What? What do you think is their ultimate problem? It's 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 tough to it's tough to say. I mean, I feel like on paper they should be better. So if that's the case, then there's a chemistry issue. Why that's not happening? And this is what his third year, Ali Vigno. You know, like I didn't think it was a coaching issue like last year. I'm starting to think that it could be or a disconnection to the message because it's like. You've addressed all the issues from last year. You got better defensemen. Um, the goaltending is better. Mm-hmm. Well, not that it needs necessarily upgraded, but like Carter Hart's better than he was last year. Martin yep. Jones is equally as good as is his uh, backup last year. Yep. Um, you upgrade. You mean I say upgrade the fours? I mean, you, you know, Cam Atkinson is scoring goals. So you exchange him for for Jake Voracek. It's pretty much a wash, but he, you know. He, but if Kama isn't scoring the way he was at least early on, he'd be maybe complaining. Yeah. But like, like the the, the rest of the guys, the guy, you know, they add a little toughness. You got know, you got Thompson as a center. That's you know a grinder. You got this McEwen that's you know, throwing some bodies around. Like you got a little toughness. So you've added some of these dimensions. But then like. Like when you see a game like yesterday and some of these other games against Toronto and just a couple other ones that like they, they look like like shit. Yeah, like, they're losing against no sorry teams at home, at home. Yeah. So it's like if that's the case. Like why? Why is that? Like you know, is like at least I mean you're gonna lose some games, but at least like lose some games with like like some energy. They've got like, they've some, got some horrible like, losses against horrible teams that they should easily win. They got some bad losses, yeah. So and, and, and North Carolina's not a horrible team, but like you know Toronto, their Toronto early was not very good. 
I shouldn't have beat him. They beat him at you know they beat him at home. Um, drawing a blank, a couple of the other ones, but uh, but so it's looking like you know what is it? Like what are you going to do now? Like you, you, to me in the summer, I know they got two 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 major injuries right now with Ellis and, and Hayes. Hayes only played a handful of games. Ellis was good early when their Flyers were like actually winning games, like but looking like a good team. But like. After that, like how much how much movement can you make during a season with players to make the team better? It's like to me, it's like I feel like these coaches have had a long enough time with this team. Like, right? Yeah. I don't know. Let's move some up or fire the general manager. You know what I mean? It's like, like were, were, these, were these were these moves, were these moves good enough? For, you know what I mean? It's like he's been with them a while. Like, yeah, I haven't seen no improvement from the GM. I mean, not really. Like, I mean, they're they're they're, they're quasi upgrades, but like you look around the league, like. Like Carolina's the better team. Yeah. Florida was just a team. Tampa's a better team. Yeah. You know what I mean? They snap the puck around. They got these guys, you know, like these really skilled guys that um they got good goaltending. That again, that's the, the yeah, that's not the issue with the Flyers, it's just goaltending. You can't blame it on that. But like so what is it saying about these other these other core guys that they have? Like are they are they are they good enough? Like, you know, like you get rid of yeah. Spear. Gosta Spear is leading Arizona points the whole team yeah he is the Flyers the whole team so like what were these moves that great like or, or, or could you have been more patient with Ghost you get Yandel Yandel is yeah he's an Iron Man he's played like thousand games straight he's a highly offensive guy he's a great player but like but then he he does throw some pizzas and some soft plays around yeah. Too. This is the very same thing that they were harping on Gossespear for. You know what I mean? He's going to make mistakes. He's highly offensive, but like that, 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 that move does not look good now. Um, so besides Ellis, the, some of these back end moves maybe not that weren't that much of an upgrade at, at the end of the day, anyways. So um, I don't know. How much more time do you give a general manager? You know what I mean? The first year you make no moves. He made some significant moves, but like, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't see them being a playoff team the way they're going right now. I don't. I don't see it either. I, I don't either. Uh, so now let's talk about. It's early. It's early, and I know there's tons of uh, teams that make I, playoffs now. I think it's what twelve teams make the playoffs now. I want. I want you to give me your top four which would be eight teams all together your top four teams in each league that will make the playoffs in each division or in, each- in, in each league to your top top four which would be eight teams in each league yeah the uh or each, di- each division or Sorry, each yeah. uh, conference each conference yeah each conference well, uh, I mean, Carolina's a good team. Carolina, Washington, Florida, Edmonton, um, Tampa up there. Uh, Toronto's doing better. Uh, and Calgary's been on fire. Uh, I don't know, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh. Minnesota, Minnesota, quick crush, Winnipeg again. I don't know, so those, I mean, but definitely like the Washington, the Tampa, Florida, Carolina. I like Edmonton. I just like, I'm just like, 
obsessed with Connor, watching Connor's highlights. Mm-hmm. Calgary has been like on the radar, even down even down here in like the in the in the, in the Philly area. You don't really get a whole lot of Canadian highlights, but even seeing Calgary on the map a lot more. So I don't know. And you got yeah, you got some. Like flyers are they were they were at the top of the league and they're like the, the you know bottom third percentile now and I just don't see them being able to elevate their game either. to any of those other styles. I, I mean, I don't either. Not the way they're well, playing right games now. Games there, but they're not going to win like these other teams are winning. No, I don't see it either. Do you think now? Let's talk about my team that's here, where I'm from, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Can you see them three peeing? <laughs> Or is there a team that you see taking them down? Well, it's, it's it's hard to say. I mean, you know, if you if you look at the team and the success of them versus all those some of those other teams that I just mentioned, they're, they're right in the mix. They're two or I mean, two or two games off as far as when two wins off right now. So it's still early in the season. I think they have just a good shot. Is a good a shot of of winning again as any other team. You know, I, I actually like the way that the team is built. They got again strong goaltending. Um, yeah, they look great. With, you know, Perry. I think you have very defined roles um, of players, some high caliber, you know, players. So I, I seen them play the Flyers early in the season. Like they, they're they, they're a good team. Like you know, so I would I wouldn't say no. They can't win it. And I think the only reason that you would you actually root against or say root against them is not say they win again. Is just like what are the chances of a team repeating probably like next to none so i would go ahead and say they're not going to stanley cup just because there's probably virtually no chance that happens Mm -hmm. but that being said the only reason i'm saying that is because they won two in a row it's like you know so just like you would think that the third year that have to be somebody else um so i don't know who i mean they're gonna go. They're gonna go head to head with Florida and, and and a couple of these other teams. And and, and you know, like, I don't I don't know who they're gonna end up playing in the playoffs. But I see the I, I see them winning at least a round or two in the playoffs. I don't, I don't see them getting eliminated in the first round. But they're definitely a playoff team. Now, um, now is there a surprise team that you see coming up that nobody sees on radar that could make the playoffs? Uh, I don't, I don't That's really also know. tough to say too because there's plenty of teams out there, but I can name yeah, a few. But is there one that stands out to you that nobody can see? Usually, would think would not make the playoffs, but might sneak in there. Again, I think it's too soon. I mean, I think again, I go back to Calgary. Like, not that I didn't think they were a playoff team, but they're they certainly surprised me. Um, they're surprising me right now. Again, it's like you don't want to like throw all your stocks into teams this early because a lot can change. Um, you know, injuries and yeah, you know, certain certain funks that teams go through and whatnot. But you know, I still like teams like St. Louis that you know, like historically, you've been pretty good. You know, in the last few teams, the last few years, and um, not that 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 would be like. I, a shocker to be in the playoffs because you'd expect them to be in the playoffs, but I think they they got another level of their, of their game yet. I think um, I don't know, like just some shit, some shitty teams, you know, like the bottom bottom of the league is like you, you don't want to be on those teams. Like those, those are like the rough start at least, and they're not going to get much better. So I, I don't know. I mean, 
would I, would I like to see like a, a team like Buffalo somehow like crack through some amazing sort of like insane story and find their way? Yeah, I think that would be an amazing story. But I, I just don't. I don't have any in my. You know that I that are, that that I think that are going to make it. That you know that that shouldn't make it. But obviously, it's going to be a grind right to the last game of the season where there's going to be a battle. But I think those teams that we're talking about, like um, you'd you'd expect them to be in that in that in that fight towards the end. Anyways, it's not going to be overly much of a shocker. Two more questions before I let you go, uh, so we can. <laughs> you you can go do your thing. I know you got kids just like I do. Uh, mm-hmm. So, question one is the Kraken, the new team, yep. expansion team. Mm-hmm. What do you think of them so far? I know it's early. Again, like we talked about, it's early. What do you think about that atmosphere up there? I know you've seen a couple of their games. I have too. Do you think they can do anything? I don't think so. I saw them play the Flyers earlier this year, and, and again, I know it was really early, maybe four or five games in. They had nothing. Like, they, they hung in the game. They hung in. It's like they were working hard. And, you know, Dave Axel is the coach there, so I want to check it out. And I think he's a good coach, but I, I don't think they have enough firepower there. Like, they, you know, again, they're buzzing. They're, they're, they're kind of working. But, like, if the Flyers can't score, like, these guys, like, these guys aren't going to score much. Mm. Um that being said, you know, franchise, you know, like they're, they're, they're trying their best, you know, to brand and stay relevant and have some fun with it. But I, I don't, I don't see them doing a whole lot. I, I definitely don't think they're going to make playoffs. <laughs> I agree. But, I but agree. yeah, it's expansion. What are you going to do? I mean, but that being said too, I mean, I guess not too long ago, Vegas was expansion. They somehow landed up being the, in the finals. Um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, but uh, yeah, I think they got, they got a lot of work to do. They, they struggle with scoring, like okay. a lot of teams do. Chicago, so Islanders. Now, my last question to you is: since we did talk about your podcast earlier, who are you going to have on next? Who are you eyeing next, and what will we expect from it? Well, it's going to be between two guys. Well, they're going to be in the next two. I'm just not sure which one is going to be next. Uh, Bernie Perron, Hall of Fame, Broad Street Bully goaltenders, two Stanley Cups back in the day. Um, him and then uh, current uh, center I mentioned uh, earlier, Nate Thompson, uh, the Flyers. Supposed to be recording with him. I actually read somewhere where he might have got hurt last night or yesterday's game, which is an afternoon game. Um so we'll, we'll see where that goes. But those are the next two that were that are teed up. Very Bernie nice. on Monday. So I'm, I'm assuming Bernie. It's going to be Bernie for episode 51. Very nice. Can't wait to hear it. Can't wait to see it because yeah. I'm subscribed to it. Got it on the pod. Can't wait to hear it either. It's going to be fun. Uh, before we head out, uh, tell us tell us where anybody can follow you at, where you're at, and everything else that you've got going on. Yeah, you can check out uh, my website. It's RileyCote.com. And then I'm on social media, Instagram, RileyCote32. Same thing for Twitter, RileyCote32. And then I'm on LinkedIn as well. Uh, and Facebook, all those awesome platforms. Um, <laughs> shoot me a DM, whatever. Say what's up. 
Perfect. Awesome. Couldn't have said it better. I'm glad you came on. Thanks for your time. It was fun. Come on as many times as you want. I'll text you. I'll even send you a copy of the episode. And yeah, it was fun sharing pods. I'll be, I'll be tuning Thank in. You. And I hope you tune into mine as well. Absolutely. Appreciate it, Byron. All right. No problem. You have a good night. All right. Yeah, you too. Take Bye. care. All right. Bye.